Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. There has never been a time when the kingdom of God has not been in existence. The kingdom of God pre-existed the human race. It has always been, that's the kingdom of God, and will always be. In fact, the psalmist, in Psalm 145, verse 13, he says, Thy kingdom, O Lord, is an everlasting kingdom. So we learn from Psalms that the kingdom of God did not come into existence when Jesus died on the cross or the atonement did not really uh, bring the kingdom of God into existence. The kingdom of God has always been and will always be. It is eternal. And the psalmist confirms that by saying, Thy kingdom, O Lord, is an everlasting kingdom. And the king himself, who is the king of the kingdom, is eternal. And I want to remind you, that during the time of the Old Testament, and even today in true kingdoms, a king cannot really be voted out of power. The only way you can get a king out of power is for him to die. That is why in the Old Testament, when there were bad kings, kings who did not walk according to the ordinances of the Lord, the people had to endure them until they died. The fact that our king lives forever and forever and forever speaks of the kingdom, which is forever and ever and ever. So as we talk about the doctrine of eternal states, we present to you the kingdom of God, which is eternal. Man is on probation during his time here on earth. So those who respond to God's grace and obey him will be eternally rewarded in heaven, which is, of course, heaven speaks to the headquarters of the operations of the kingdom of God, or you can say God's dwelling place, quote unquote, because he lives in your heart also. But we talk about the headquarters of the kingdom of God. Those who willfully oppose God and do their own will and serve Satan will be eternally punished in hell, which is to be Satan's dwelling place. Eternal destinies are settled here in time. So it is not when you get to a time of standing before God that you have a choice of looking at heaven and looking at hell and say, I don't want over there, I'll go to heaven. No, eternal destinies are settled here in time. And as we talk about eternal destinies and eternity, I want to take a moment out to read Psalm 90, verse 2 down to verse. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even 
from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and says, Return ye, children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Remember, we're talking about the doctrine of eternal state. And let me just take a moment out here to explain the word eternal. Many times when we think of the word eternal, we think about something that has no end. But the word eternal in its truest meaning really mean having no beginning or end. It's not just no end, but it also means no beginning, which really means that God is the only one that is truly eternal, that has no beginning or ending. And when we studied the doctrine of God, we looked at that and established the point that that is one of the things that separates our God from any other God. Because whether you talk about Selassie or Buddha or Muhammad, Joseph Smith, Confucius, Allah, any, any one of them, they have a starting point. If you go on the internet, you see when they were born, when they came into existence, they have a beginning. Our God has no beginning or ending. And we just confirmed that in the scripture in Psalm 90, verse 2, where Moses, speaking of God, said, from everlasting to everlasting. He didn't just say to everlasting, but from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Well, how far back is from everlasting? You can judge that by how far forward is to everlasting. If to everlasting really has no end, from everlasting has no beginning. Moses, a man who knew God face to face, understood God in measures that others didn't. In fact, the Bible said that Moses knew the ways of God, but Israel knew the acts of God. Moses said, from everlasting, to everlasting, you are God, which speaks of the eternity of God. God refers to himself as I am that I am. So I am, that means I'm present. I am that I am. In any time at all you need me, any time I'm needed, I am. It is speaking to always being present which if you check it out in the Hebrew, it's speaking to eternal, always present. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, and he said, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help, very present help in time of trouble, whether it be in the middle of the night, in the early morning, is a very present help. But the I am that I am, is not just very present help, but always present help. So he, in, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, 
that's where he revealed himself to Moses as I am that I am. The Bible also speaks of our God, our King, as the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, which means nothing comes before him and nothing comes after him. First there is not speaking to a starting point or last is not really speaking to an end. It is really speaking to the fact that nothing comes before him, nothing comes after him. No one came before him, no one will come after him. No one came before him because he never started at any point. He has always been. And I've always said some of these things, you have to believe them with your spirit because your natural mind can't really work them out in the moment that you're hearing them. Because somebody would want to argue and say, well, yeah, but I just want to know when God, I mean, at what point God started, what, at what point he came into existence. And that's exactly what we're saying, that he has never, ever started. He never came into existence at any point in time. He has always been. But I can't understand that. Well, I can understand you not being able to understand that. But that is the reality of our God. And you can't prove otherwise. Paul referred to him in 1 Timothy 1, verse 17, as the king eternal. Very powerful statement. Remember that a king cannot come out of, cannot, will not leave power. You can't get a king out of power except he dies. So if he's the king eternal, that means that he will not die. He will always be king. It speaks to the eternal states of life, and it speaks to the eternity of God and the kingdom that we are a part of. Man, however, is subject to time. He is finite and limited by time and space. And though man is a creature of time, the interesting thing is that he is made for eternity. Let me say that again. Man is a creature of time, but he is made for eternity. In other words, man has aspects of eternity in him. So man has a beginning, but yet he exists eternally. Man came into being at a certain point, but man cannot die because the real you is your spirit and your spirit cannot die. So man will be rewarded by God according to his works during his life on earth, whether his works be evil or whether they be good. I want to take a moment and read from Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 as we just expand a little bit on that thought that man as a beginning but exists eternally. Let's read Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That's talking about his body. So the body of man was made of things or material that is not really eternal. It was formed from the dust of the ground. But then it goes on to say, God breathed into his nostrils, that's into the nostrils of man, Adam, the breath of life. That term, breath of life there, is 
one word in the Hebrew. It is the word spirit. So God breathed into man his spirit and man became a living soul. So God, remember, is eternal. We've established that point already. God is eternal, Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting, he's God. But John 4.24 also tells us that God is a spirit. So when God breathed or deposited of himself into man, that means he put portion of, of himself, aspects of eternity into man, and that is why man will live forever. He breathed spirit into Adam. And because he can't die, that aspect of him that he breathed into man put man in a position to live forever. So you and I have a starting point. We came into existence in terms of being a human being at some point in time, but you will live forever. You will live forever. That is why you have the ability to outlast any season that comes against you because eternity is in you. Solomon talks about, oh, everything is for a time and a season. So because eternity is in you, you have the ability to outlast time. God knew exactly what he was doing when he breathed into man the breath of life or spirit because God was depositing in man the ability to outlast things that are temporary. So the ability to outlast seasons and time is in you. So, you know, things like long suffering, endurance, patience, and the exhortations not to quit are not for decoration in your life. They are to help you to win or outlast the temporary seasons that are coming against you. They are to help you to become your best. Unfortunately, when you don't abide in God and you don't commit to the ways of God, the kind of longevity that you should have in terms of endurance and uh, long suffering and all that kind of stuff, you don't really have that. And the things that comes against you, which are just for a mere season, will uh, get the better of you. But you, if you begin to understand who you are in Christ and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you can outlast any season. It doesn't matter how intense they become. And God's depending on you to outlast the seasons. But I also need to say to you that you can't bypass these things by just praying. It is prayer along with the long suffering, endurance, patience, and all of that, that will enable you to be successful, to win, and to become all that God intended you to be. So God, God is dependent on you. The doctrine of eternal states is that there is such a thing as eternity. And the interesting thing about that is that eternity is not far-fetched. It is in you. So 
a part of us was made from the dust of the ground. And that part is temporary. And that's why when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, no, he said, this mortal must put on immortality. You could look at it this way. This temporary suit will go one day and will put on our permanent suit that can live in eternity. Paul said this mortal must put on immortality. This corruption must put on incorruption. Incorruption is your eternal suit where you won't be able to, uh, you won't die. So you will need that to live forever. So we really believing in the doctrine of eternal states certainly disagree with any thought that suggests that death is the end of life, that you cease to exist at death. That's not what the Bible teaches. The doctrine of eternal states uh, really throw a bombshell into that kind of stuff. In Hebrews chapter 9, it tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die. Then after death comes the judgment. If death was the end of life, there would be no such thing as after death comes the judgment. The judgment is for eternal destinies to be a portion. That a man stand before God and God tells him where he will spend eternity. I want to take a moment out to look at time and eternity. Let's start with time. Between the birth and death of every human being, there is something called a lifespan. And it is during this lifespan or this period of time known only to God, only God knows the amount of time that any one of us will live here on earth. It is in this time that man is on probation. It is this time period uh, that is the space to repent. It is this time period that we should capitalize on the atonement and uh, thank God for the work of his son, Jesus Christ, and change course in our lives. So it is this time period that is the space to repent given to every man that has been born of the Adamic race. No man knows how long this time space is for his life. So it is important to capitalize on this time of probation as quickly as possible. It is the grace of God which comes to man during this time, enable man to have a chance at repentance, gives man the opportunity to capitalize on redemption. And it is very important that we understand that you just don't have all the time in the world to do. Between Saturday evening, last Saturday, and Sunday afternoon, in less than 24 hours, I happened to come upon two different bike accidents. Both died, one in Montego Bay here, one in St. Anne. I'm sure that they, those guys never planned to die those days their time of probation was over. And from the accident scene, 
it seemed to have happened so fast, you don't know if there was a chance to capitalize on the atonement. That is why, while you have the time, you have to make use of it. Once this probation um, period or this time period is, is over, it means that mortal man dies and this period of probation is forever ended. There is no repentance in the grave. So is eternal state, is eternal destiny, they're both settled on change and on changing. It is in this period of probation called time that man settles his eternal destiny. For this very reason, God calls all men to turn from their sin and accept his redeeming grace in Christ in time so that he can settle destiny with God or eternity with God. It is very important that we understand there is such a thing as eternity and uh, you will either spend eternity with God in heaven or with the devil in hell. And we're not talking about for a weekend or until you get tired, you switch. People make jokes about these things sometimes. But once you miss God, eternity with God, the only other place of eternity is hell. So it is important to be conscious of that. Let's look a little bit on the side of eternity now. The ushering, of it, ushering in of eternity as it relates to man is a time of reward. All men will be rewarded according to their work, whether good or evil. When John wrote the book of Revelation in chapter 22, he said, I saw the dead small and great stand before God and a book was open and a, another book and another book and out of it, the dead were judged. And he was saying basically they were rewarded according to their work. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So again, as a person's eternal destiny is settled here in time according to character, a person's eternal rewards are settled here in time according to works. So the character deals with the um, destiny, the works deal with, deals with the rewards. Character is what a person is. Character speaks to what a person is. And what a person is determines their eternal state or their eternal destiny. Works speaks to what a person does. What a person does determines their eternal rewards. And so character and works cannot be separated. What a person is determines what a person does and both settles is eternal state, which means you really have to think about what you do. Yeah, we know you're an adult and you make your own decisions, but what consequences does follow as it relates to those decisions? I believe that it is important that we take time out to understand that God 
is depending on us to make the right decision for our eternal destiny. And here is an opportunity to reunite with your loved ones who are going to be with the Lord. You know, that is really the only hope we have when a loved one dies, someone who knows the Lord, the real comfort that we can take in those moments is that if we continue serving the Lord, there will be a reuniting with those who knew the Lord. Wouldn't be the last time I would have seen them, maybe, yeah, in this life, but there will be a reuniting. What a day that will be. It's going to be some rejoicing because when that reuniting takes place, there will not be any more separation. But that only happens if you settle eternity with God because you certainly don't want to reunite with anybody that is going to spend eternity in hell. That is what is really heartfelt and break your heart when you're not sure if your loved one went to be with the Lord. You're not sure if in the last moment of their life, they had a chance to say, Lord, forgive because they never lived after God. That is the pain. But the truth is, those who have gone on before us, their eternal destiny is already settled. There is no, nothing that we can do about it. There is no such thing as praying for salvation for the dead. What you can do, the power that you have in your hand, is to secure your eternal destiny. And you now need to think about it. What is really worth it to trade your eternal destiny for? In Hebrews, it talks about all the pleasure, pleasures of sin, therefore season. The Bible says Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God and to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, if, all, if, if death was the end of life, we could do anything that we want to do because all of us would die and everything would end there. But this is the reason why we serve the Lord and cannot stop serving the Lord and pray for the salvation of our loved ones and reach out to others to serve the Lord because death is not the end of life. There is such a thing as eternity. God has exemplified in time that which he will do in eternity. God meets out certain judgments and rewards in time to both the righteous and the unrighteous, or the righteous and the wicked. He follows the same pattern in eternity, the very same pattern. Each of God's dispensations closed with judgment on the wicked and rewards or promises of reward to the righteous. If you remember in Genesis chapter 6, the same thing happened. Judgment on the world. Bible says, now found grace in the eyes of the Lord. As it was in time, so will it be in eternity. Because, you know, we, I mentioned the great white throne judgment early on, earlier on. But there is also another judgment mentioned in the Bible. I think it's first mentioned in Corinthians which is called the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ 
is not a judgment of, of eternity to decide eternity. It is actually a judgment for the saints in terms of rewards. You talk about the crown of life and all of that. The judgment seat is about the works that you did on earth as a believer. We talk about the will of God, being faithful to God and all that kind of stuff. The judgment seat of Christ is about that. It's not about whether you go to hell or heaven. It's about reward. And the Bible says that there will be a lot of crying at the judgment seat. Because when people see what they could have had, or what they get according to their work, their works on earth, it will bring tears. It should be noted that only God can truly give reward. Man gives award. And sometimes the flesh is so tickled about award. But men can only give award. And oh yeah, we put on our best suit to go collect awards at functions and all that kind of stuff. It makes people feel good. And ain't nothing wrong in receiving an award if you work for it. But I submit to you that rewards are more important than award. And only God can give reward. That is why he said, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. It says God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's the one who gives reward. From your life, judging your heart as it relates to your faithfulness. If you make the judgment, what do you think your rewards look like? before God. I want to remind you that just as eternal destinies are settled in time, rewards are also settled in time. And that has to do with your works. I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to live your life thinking about eternity, which means you cannot take a break from God. You cannot take a break from doing what is right because you surely don't want to take a break and your probation on earth comes to an end during that break. Live your life thinking about eternity. I cannot tell you which day, which year we're going to usher in eternity in a sense that time is done away with. The one thing I can tell you is that it is sure. And I have absolutely no plan to miss out on eternity. And I trust your heart is in the same place. So if one of these nights we should go to bed and there is no tomorrow morning, I expect to see you on the right side of eternity. We should be rejoicing together on the right side of eternity. I came in contact with eternity for the first time in my life at about seven years old. And I realized that God was working in my heart from then. I remember laying down in bed one night and the reality of eternity struck at seven years old. And I started thinking, what is going to happen? Will everyone die? And, uh, what will happen if everyone dies at the end of life? Um, what's going to happen afterward? I was in strife in my heart. I remember 
asking my sister, said, I didn't even know how to phrase the question. I just asked her, will everyone die one, one of these days? I don't think she had the answer. She said, don't ask me any foolishness. You know, I, I just don't think she knew. But this question just came out of nowhere. She wasn't born again at that time. So I just don't think she had the answer. And I went to my bed in tears, not knowing what the future holds. That if that was the last night that exists, if I would see my family anymore, my friends. Tonight I'm in a much better position as I understand eternity, that there is hope for all of us. And I trust the Lord that you do everything in your power to ensure that whenever that trumpet sound, sounds, or whenever you leave her, whenever you make your exit from this life, whether it be through death or through the rapture, you will find yourself on the right side of eternity. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at FCF Montego Bay.